you've ever heard or seen Ed Bars in person or on TV, you know that he knows every fact about every battle. Does he have to look them up in advance, or does he really know them all? We'll find out when we come back on Civil War Talk Radio. How much time each day do you spend managing your personal or business calendar? 15 minutes, a half an hour, maybe more. Is the conference room available for next week's meeting? And how many people do you have to ask to find out? Have you ever misplaced or, worse yet, lost your day planner or handheld device? And what do you do about that missing information? Do you own or operate a salon or carpets cleaning business? How about a realty office or any one of a thousand other service-based organizations? Can your customers make their appointments even when your office is closed? If any of this sounds familiar, then Schedule Online is the solution for you. For more information, call toll-free 888-668-3355. That's 888-668-3355. Or visit us online at www.scheduleonline.com. Before we return to our riveting drama, our sponsor insists that we listen to a radio show about television. I'm Jim Benson, host of A Different Sort, as I direct you toward a galaxy of TV memories guaranteed to leave you spellbound while I present many of the greatest legends in television history on the TV Time Machine, every Wednesday beginning at 4 p.m. right here on World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with Ed Bars, King of Battlefield Guides and Chief Historian Emeritus of the National Park Service. We've been talking about a range of uh, achievements and activities uh, from Ed's storied career, including the discovery and salvage of the USS Cairo. And we were just moving on to talk a bit about the Battle of Little Bighorn, which is perhaps outside the mission statement of Civil War Talk Radio, but Custer did command the Wolverine Brigade, so we can stretch that a bit. Ned, you were talking about the the impact of archaeology on the Little Bighorn story, and I think that is a fascinating uh, thing. That and it our- plays out in Civil War battles, because it's, or in uh, in uh, down at Cowpens uh, with your colleague That's on right. using uh, the uh, the uh, uh, using the paper trail along with the material culture in the soil. Uh, to uh, verify or change certain ideas. Like, for instance, uh, at the Little Bighorn, they all knew, everybody knew that the, uh, that the warriors had a re- uh, certain number of repeating weapons. Right. Uh, but, they, but with battlefield archaeology and finding the, uh, the cartridges, they were able to trace where the weapons were a particular weapon, the same way as a police department solves a murder. Uh, this particular weapon, we, they would know from the from the 
the trail of the material culture, the weapon, I'm not saying the Indian, the warrior, but the weapon was would be used against where the fight began against Reno down in the valley. It would then appear uh, in the fight up on Last Stand Hill against Custer, again the weapon, mm-hmm. and then finally in the fight against Reno Benteen. Now I have to say the weapon rather than the warrior because the warriors in the Indian culture are not charged with a particular weapon, uh, or they're not they're led there, and so they uh, might get tired of fighting, uh, go back uh, to the village and lend their weapon to somebody else, which would be anathema to a soldier to do that. So uh, yeah, there have been a number of battlefields in which, uh, Civil War battlefields in which uh, historic archaeology has uh, underscored. A particularly uh, interesting item was, uh, was at uh, Stephen Potter and his people up at, uh, uh, at Bronner's Farm, fought on the uh, 28th of August. Yes, they said both the paper trail said both they stood there and fired at each other at a range of 70 to 80 yards uh, for about 60 to 90 minutes. But the archaeologists were able to locate the uh, position of the Union line because they would find the dropped cartridges. And when they located the Confederate line, it verified the rough distance, but you could say, now you stood on the site where the 19th Indiana of what was soon to be uh, designated the Iron Brigade stood for 60 to 90 minutes and blazed away at the Confederates at point blank range. Well, I think that that is absolutely an important way for us to amplify our knowledge of the past to combine the archaeological perspective and uh, the paper trail. There was another aspect that was used to help unravel what happened at Little Bighorn, just to, to go back to that for a moment. Uh, in, in Gray's book where he uses a time-motion approach to figure out literally how long it would take to ride a horse or walk from point A to point B and correlates the various accounts that way, comparing not just what they said, but by actually walking the field uh, to conclude where they must have been or, or could possibly have been at a given moment. Yeah, that's very good. And what really got me interested in a Park Service career was walking the ground. And now when I, I first visited a Park Service site and spent any time on it was at uh, Shiloh, in uh, July 1954. Uh, uh, now, when I went to Shiloh, I was somewhat enamored with the old Confederate story that if Albert Sidney Johnston had not been slain, uh, the Confederates would have pressed on, swept across Dill Branch, driven the Federals away from Pittsburgh Landing into a pocket between Snake Creek and the Tennessee River and forced her to surrender. So Pete said, all right, uh, you were in the service. Let's go for a walk. So we began from the site of where Johnston was mortally wounded and died, and we walked the walk that the Confederates would have had to advance 
uh, to reach Pittsburgh Landing. And when I got to Dill Branch, now it's not a Grand Canyon, but for West Tennessee, it's a Grand Canyon. <laughs> it's uh, it has a if you've been, it falls on a. Uh, it's about 200 yards across mm-hmm. uh, at the top, and it's about uh, 70 feet deep, and it's a very very steep climb down, a steep climb up, and to make matters worse, the Tennessee River was high. The water was backed up in the Dill Branch for uh, about a quarter of a mile, and I, uh, after going walking down there, waiting, floundering across Dill Branch and climbing up the other side, I, I had to agree that I thought uh, the Confederate chances of capital, if they followed up on Johnston's death, unless instead of having that interregnum, they'd have been no more successful in crossing than they were uh, much later. And so it it, uh, it gives you a feeling of like uh, Graves' study. Uh, you've got to watch, walk the battlefield. For instance, if you're at Pickett's, if you're following Pickett's uh, division at Gettysburg, you're some places you're in Defilade, uh, you're as safe as if you're in the arms of your mother. Then you come out and you're exposed to lots of Union artillery. So you, uh, you, you get a lot different feel if you walk the ground, uh, and, uh, and, uh, see it as the people did than reading it in a book and trying to imagine what it was. So I think, uh, the, that is the, that's the, one of the major significance of what you spoke about in your opening remarks and what Brian Pohanka has done with his will is it uh, enables the people to get out and uh, and uh, walk the ground and it, see how much different it is than it is in a uh, in a in a battle account or in uh, or appears on topographical maps because they, of the Civil War because they don't have contour lines. All they do is show hatchers for a little round top and big round top. So that's another uh, thing that is being, getting more and more uh, uh, play nowadays is getting out, walking the field, getting the archaeologists and the historians to talk together and use their various uh, disciplines to the best advantage uh, to give a truer picture uh, than we appear to have for had. Well, I'd, I'd, I don't think anyone would argue that there's no no substitute for walking the ground and seeing what's out there. Pickett's Charge is, as you said, a classic example. It looks like uh, smooth like a pool table on, on the map, a nice green field, but uh, there are positions where you can be sheltered as you approach. And, and, uh, a wonderful thing is the feeling uh, uh, the feeling you get. Uh, the, uh, two people I can remember doing that walk with, and uh, both of them were veterans, both of them badly disabled. And you, you had to wonder why, and they got a special feeling. Uh, of their wars. The first one was a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he had one leg off from the way he walked, probably below the knee, and the other off at just below the hip. Had a bad scar in his skull, uh, from evidently a fright, but he didn't advertise what he was. And he walked that field, uh, wanted to walk the field, and when he went over the wall, he fell. 
And people around there tried to help him, and he waved them off. He was, uh, he was having a, 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 an emotional experience. Then, uh, then even to eclipse him uh, was a, uh, a Marine uh, who had been uh, caught in those short rounds fired at, uh, at Grenada. He had, had nothing uh, below the hip, uh, below the so- hip sockets. Uh, he had very powerful biceps, and uh, instead of having a thumb and four fingers, they'd given him at least a what would serve as a thumb and a finger on each hand, and he went across there uh, in a wheelchair. He uh, he faster than any of us could walk. So it uh, you know, there's a feeling of rapport that uh, also you get on the battlefield. Well, that that. Uh... Hopefully, for for most of us, we'll be as close as we come to that uh, that, that experience. But it is truly, uh, even at that distance, something that, that anyone can feel when they do that. Now, of the battlefields, the thousands uh, of times you've been on battlefield, is there any one battlefield you'd recommend if if a, a person were traveling, say, from uh, from the UK coming to visit the United States and had time only to see a single battlefield, uh, where would you send him or her? All right, if he has one day, it's uh, very simple. If he has one day, and and it's kind of interesting because they're fought very close to the same time. They have a great deal of historical integrity. They have very interesting landscapes. Uh, they're also very significant. If they if they have one day to see one battle in the east and one battle in the west, I would say I would. If you have one day, I would recommend Antietam in the east. And strange to say, a battle that was fought uh, uh, about three weeks later, Perryville in Kentucky. Uh, both of them are at a relatively apogee of the South, uh, the South's military prowess, and, uh, and they have an important role because the uh, South uh, probably reaches its closest point to being uh, recognized by the, uh, the British at any time, uh, Antietam being more important overall because of Lincoln's issuance of the Emancipation Proclamation. Now, of... Uh, of uh, battlefield where a couple of days, uh, I would say, uh, Gettysburg, uh, if you have three days, and I would not recommend seeing Gettysburg unless you have three days from the UK, uh, because it is a complex battle. There's more information on it. Uh, people uh, know more about it than any other, and, uh, they, uh, uh, because of the controversies, uh, you can have a great deal of feelings one way or another. And, of course, you have, it gives it a special significance, is Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, which will always give it more significance than any of the other battlefields. And then I would say the one that I think uh, uh, that you're also interested in is, uh, I would say, the Battle of Shiloh in the West. It's a two-day battle. Uh, it uh, is it is the different in Gettysburg. It does not have a lot of cultural features. It has a uh, relatively uh, lo- uh, uh, very little open space. Uh, re- retains a 
great deal of integrity to time and place, and because of its significance on illustrating that the Civil War, because of the technological revolution, is going to be a very, very bloody war. Uh, figures show that more Americans uh, were killed, wounded, or captured on Sh at Shiloh in two days that had been killed, wounded, or, or missing in combat in, uh, on the United States side in all wars uh, before Shiloh. And as you know, the statement that they have, and you get a feeling at Shiloh. You get a feeling at when you see that Confederate monument at Shiloh and the bloody pond that you can have validity on the statement that after Shiloh, the South never smiled again. That, that is certainly true. All those battlefields evoke powerful feelings. Uh, Perryville, I'm interested that you mentioned Perryville, uh, had the, the pleasure of seeing that with you a couple of years ago. That's what, what, and, and, I, and I didn't mention it. I would have mentioned it even if I had not been there with you. I would have mentioned it uh, because it has a, that, that special of uh, time and place and how you can be a quarter of a mile from serious fighting and not, and not be able to see it or hear it. And, and as was true at least a couple of years ago when you and I were both there, it's one of the, the Best preserved battlefields that I've ever been to of, of that size. Yeah, that's what I, and that's the other thing that I couple it with uh, Antietam. It's even better preserved than Antietam uh, because it's preserved with only about 600 acres in public ownership, uh, but they have built a constituency with the local landowners. And the local landowners uh, view their land as part of, of the heritage of that period of Kentucky, and uh, they're very cooperative in maintaining a historical character on the lands adjoining the state-owned lands. And, and that is a, a, a real success story in terms of preservation, that without... Uh, without a great deal of purchase of, of lands and fights between the lands rights people and the preservation people, they, they, they work together for the common good out there. And that is a good story. Well, I was going to ask you about uh, the, the remarkable memory for facts, but the music tells me we have to take another short break. So we'll come back in just a moment with more conversation on the Civil War with our guest today, Edwin C. Bars. Thank you, Jerry. We'll be right back. <laughs> 